0: We have been in the process for, uh, for several weeks now of changing our approach in, uh, in how we work, right? And uh, I hope that you're realizing that no matter what you do, uh, your work matters. There are 168 hours in a week, and a lot of that time for most of us is not just spent laying around, but it's spent working. Uh for the most part uh, for most of us that probably means a job of some kind uh, uh maybe where you know where you're employed somewhere but uh, uh for others you might be retired or, or maybe you uh, stay at home with the kids or you're a student or uh, but no matter what these principles apply. Uh scripture is very clear that God cares about your life and he also cares uh about your work. And he cares how you work. Our, our verses for, uh, for this whole series come from Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 23. And it says this, the Apostle Paul writing to this church uh, in Colossae, and he says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So again, this it says whatever you do, it, it, it doesn't let any of us off the hook. Whatever we're doing, uh, put your whole heart into it. Uh, work at it with all of your heart, it says, uh, because we work for God, right? We work for the king. You don't just work for your boss, you work for the king. Or maybe you are the boss, you still have uh, someone that you work for. You still work for the king, and that makes a difference. We've seen that, that just doing a good job, doing uh, your work to the best of your ability, using your gifts and talents and skills, that that can be uh, a, a, literally an act of worship. It doesn't have to be uh, in the spiritual line of work or that you uh, are doing work for the church or at the church or, or uh, for a ministry of some type. Simply working, uh, using your gifts and talents and, and resources, uh, working for God, can be an act of worship. Uh, he has made you the way He has made you to, uh, to 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 serve Him and to serve others through your work. Work is worship, worship. So put your heart into it. Now He said that you can have. There's there's two different extremes here that many times we fall into. Either we can make an idol of our work, right, where it's most important, and uh, and and uh, and we we put that above uh, even God. Uh, many times we put it above the other relationships we have in our lives so we can make an idol of our work or we can become idol in our work, right? And maybe we're not putting our all into it. Maybe that's the other extreme. Uh, we've, we've seen that uh, the, uh, the, where we need to be falls somewhere in the middle of that as whatever we do, we put our whole heart into it as we work for King Jesus. And today, i want to broach a subject that 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 maybe make you may, might make you squirm a little bit, maybe not uh and that is evangelism at work uh, many times we compartmentalize our lives right uh, remember though we we said here last week and and at other times uh th- we god doesn't see life as split into secular and sacred we might split it that way i've, I've got my secular life but then when i'm at church or i'm doing church things or or uh, you know uh, praying at home or whatever then that's my sacred or my holy life but the uh, you know the 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 two don't necessarily go together god sees it all as sacred it's it's our lives uh many people live like uh, like they're compartmentalized though you know i go to church i go to work I, Probably, maybe a little bit, sometimes I might talk about work at church, but I would never talk about church at work, right? I, I mean, the, the two just, just don't match. They need to stay separate. I would contend today that it's not weird to live out your faith at work. In fact, I would say, I would go so far as to say that it's weird not to live out your faith at work. So you see, your faith, uh, your faith in Jesus Christ is not about joining a religion or joining an institution. It's a relationship with God. God has loved you so much. We celebrated communion today and, and we, we saw how much we were reminded again of how much God loves us, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sin, to redeem us, to adopt us into his family. What an amazing relationship we can have with our father, God. Uh, and, and because it's a relationship, it's not just a religious thing that we do or we're walking through the motions in this religious space, but it's a relationship. You can't compartmentalize it. You can't compartmentalize close relationships. If you have a close relationship, it spans multiple contexts. It's not just in one place in one time. For instance, so, uh, suppose that Rebecca came to me and said, I love you, dear, and you know we're, we're married, and I devote myself to you with all of my heart when I'm here at home with you. When I'm here, when we're together, man, I'm all in. This is, this is it, man. We, I am, I am I'm there. But honey, you can't really expect that everywhere I go. I mean, home is home, but work is work. I mean, when I head to work, you can't expect me to act married. I mean, that would, would be weird. Come on. In fact, usually, dear, I, uh, I, I take my rings off and leave them in the cup holder in the car before I go into work. I mean, honey, when I'm here, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm, we're, we're, man, we're there. Right? (laughs) We, we had this conversation just the other, no, I'm just kidding. But, 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 but Pete, I mean, you can't expect me, uh, you can't expect this relationship to affect me wherever I go. I mean, you can't expect that to change what I'm like at work. Now, just so you know, um, I would probably not be okay with that. And I'm, and I'm guessing you wouldn't be okay with that either in your relationship. Why is that? Because close relationships span every context of our lives. It's not just something that, that is uh, true here, but not over here. A, A close, intimate, personal relationship with someone spans multiple contexts. I mean, regardless of whether Rebecca is at work or at church or in the car or at the mall or at the grocery store or at Starbucks, uh, she's married. And she is going to, I'm not saying this she's going to, I'm saying it just happens that she acts like she's married. I mean, people probably notice from time to time it probably comes up in conversation without even intentionally bringing it up in conversation uh you know the the the, the rings are a, are a sure giveaway there's probably certain words or phrases that 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 are just come up in in normal conversation and, and that that refer to the relationship i mean probably yo my husband is the the best thing in the world um boy he has really come through in the cl- oh i just i just oh it's just overwhelming how much Maybe it's not to that extent, but but the relationship spans the context, uh, multiple contexts, uh, affects all of life no matter where she goes. It's true for those close relationships. Your relationship with God should be even more intimate and life-transforming than even a marriage relationship. And so if you are truly following Jesus with your whole heart, you won't leave that relationship behind when you head to work. Right, he goes with you across all contexts, affecting whatever you do, even at work. It'll probably come up. Uh, people will probably know if you're really living out that, that relationship without even intentionally getting all you know weird and whatever. It's just going to come up. It, it's part of who you are. So it's I mean it's not weird to live out a close relationship with God. It would actually be weird to not to. I'm sure that's grammatically wrong in many, many ways, but it would be weird not to live out that relationship with God. So that's one big reason why, why uh, I, I broached the subject of sharing our faith or living out our faith at work. There is another major reason that I, that I think we also need to recognize, uh, and that is that we are compelled to live out our faith at work wherever we go, because we believe that it has eternal significance, right? It's it's great news about eternity. And so it should be shared. I mean, we we tell people great stuff all the time, right? Uh, I mean, you you go to someone's house and you have an awesome meal. Usually, somebody says, "Wow, I need that recipe," and then the host or the hostess actually shares the recipe. Here, this is this is it. This is what uh, and and so we share good stuff with each other. A, a new restaurant opens up and you like it. You say, "Oh, we went over down there. You should go sometime. You should go with it. We should we, we share these kinds of things." Uh, you know the. The uh, Medina uh, football team wins their their first game in the playoffs. We let people know about that, right? Right now, I'm letting you know about that in case you didn't know. Uh, we uh, we the the Buckeyes uh, win. Uh, the the Indians almost. When uh, you know we've got we've got uh, we, good news. We we share good news all the time. I mean, there's a great sale at Macy. I don't usually share that, but other people do. Uh, we tell the family. You see see a great movie, you you tell other people about it. Uh, um, I mean, we even try to share share awful things with each other. I mean, you, you smell something awful, and you say, "Hey, here, smell this." Right? I mean, it, we share things all the time. So if we share seemingly insignificant things like recipes and movie suggestions, why wouldn't we share such an eternally significant thing as the possibility of a relationship with God? Why, why wouldn't we share the possibility of forgiveness for sin? Why wouldn't we share about eternal life, about the joys of living in the kingdom of God? Uh, there is... I mean, the, the the guy joked around about it, you got to share about hell, right? But there is not only a hell to be avoided, but a heaven to be gained. Eternity is in the balance for every single soul on the planet. And yet we shy away from sharing that because, well, it's not something people do at work. Maybe it should be. <laughs> Maybe not preachy, maybe not uh, the obnoxious way that's maybe in your head, uh, but um, eternity is in the balance. And close relationships don't just stay in certain contexts. They span uh, every context of our lives. So if we have a close personal relationship with Jesus, and we realize that other people can experience that too, then it's part of who we are, and it should be coming out, wherever we are, even at work. I want to shift gears for, for just a minute and, and talk about economics. I promise. We'll get back to, uh, to uh, all of this. It all ties in. I, I, in getting my degree in business management years ago, I slept through enough econ classes to feel as though I am a professional in the subject, and I can, I can tell you about it. Um, I even you know copied other people's notes so that, so that I could, uh, could share this to But economics. Probably, you know, uh, one of the fundamentals of our economy is the whole issue of supply and demand, right? And you've got the, the the supply-demand curve. Beth, I should have you up here speaking on all of this, right? You can tell me later, or just yell out if, uh, if I'm wrong, because I did sleep a little bit in those classes, and it was 20-plus years ago. But... Um, if there's a large supply of a product, so supply and demand, if there's a large supply of a product and, uh, um, and a low, uh, small amount of people who want that product, then the price is going to be low, right? Because there's a whole lot of it, and there's not much demand for it, and so it's going to drive the price down because any, pretty much anybody can get it anywhere. I, I don't know, think, uh, think toothpicks, right? Very common thing, a whole lot of them, probably not a lot of people really looking to buy toothpicks. And so toothpicks are are kind of a low-priced commodity. But if there's very little supply of a product and a high demand for that product, then it drives the price up because there 's a lot a lot of people that want a small amount of this, and so so they can uh, they, they they are i don 't think think about uh, we 're heading into the season right now. think about whatever the hot toy at Christmas is going to be right and so so there 's not too many of them, but there 's a whole lot of people that want them and and so it drives the price up it 's hard to get them there it 's rare and uh, it 's supply and demand, and our economy operates on some of these principles there's another factor there's a thousand factors probably but another factor that that plays into this not just supply and demand but also distribution how we get so so somehow we've got to get the supply to the demand or get the demand uh, the people that want it to the uh, the 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 product or the the service and so there's this issue of distribution maybe there's an abundant supply of a product and there is a demand from the people for the product, but there's no good way to get the product to the people. I I think about maybe vaccines or medications uh, for for folks in in third world countries. There's a a huge demand, there's a huge need for it. And we have the the resources and the the medications, but many times it's hard to get the, 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 the supply distributed well to the people that really need it. And so distribution is a problem. Okay, so there's the, there's the picture. Supply, demand, uh, high supply, uh, low demand. There's, there's all kinds of scenarios there. Distribution is important. Now, now let's take all that and move that back into the conversation of evangelism. We have an abundant supply of the good news of Jesus Christ, right? We have uh, the gospel of God. He has, he has uh, uh, died on the cross for us and was raised again. Go ahead to that next picture, Kevin. We also have a demand. On the other side here, we have people. And uh, believe it or not, uh, there are many people searching for uh, the, uh, the, the, the peace and the love and the joy and the forgiveness that God brings. Uh, many folks know that. Many many may, may not necessarily actively be searching, but there is a huge need there. So we've got the supply, the great news of the gospel. We have the demand, uh, the folks that need to know that. And over the years, we've set up distribution centers. Go ahead. And they look a little like this, right? And we are trying to get the supply into the lives of the people who need it most. We try to get the gospel to a world in need. let you know on a little secret. The world in need isn't beating down the door of the distribution center. Perhaps they were at one time. Perhaps this uh, this model worked in years gone by. Perhaps it still works to an extent. But but less and less people are waking up on a Sunday morning wondering, I wonder where I'm going to go to church today. Uh, many people, doesn't even enter their mind, right? We have to realize that the best way to distribute the amazing good news that we have been given uh, about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the best way to distribute that is through us as we go from this place to the world encounter the world day in and day out christians living out their faith in the real world every day and for most of you that happens at school or at work many times we think that the uh, the spread of the gospel is up to the church or to the pastor or to the super holy people uh, you have relationships with people that uh, that that need to hear the good news, the, the, the supply, there is a demand and we've got to distribute that. We've got to share it. Uh, the, the great commission that Jesus gave to the church was not uh, build a building, develop programs and help some people show up to them. That's more of a uh, come and see model. The, the, the great commission was not uh, come. The great commission, Jesus told his disciples and all his followers after that, he said Go and make disciples. Go and be, not come and see. Go and be the church wherever you are, uh, wherever you live, wherever you work. Jesus used a, an awesome metaphor uh, to, to describe how this, this should work. He, he talked about light, and over and over again, uh, he did that. One of the, the, the best places where we see that is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and following. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Thinking about that this week, I I was, was asking myself, well, where does light do its best work? The answer is in the dark, I guess, right? Light does its best work in the dark. If I had a candle uh, in here right now, it probably wouldn't make much difference in the amount that you can see. Uh, But if this was completely dark and we were here at midnight and I lit a candle, it would make an enormous amount of difference. Uh, Light does its best work in the dark. Light is for dark places. So if you are the light of the world, that means you are called to shine in dark places. Unfortunately, I think many times we, we think that the church is the place where we shine the light, where we turn it on, where we're holy, where we do the right thing, where we say the right stuff, where we, we uh, you know, dress well and, and, and come in and we smile and, and everything's good and everything's great and, and we, we shine our light at church. But we don't need to shine our light at church. It's light already here, right? This isn't the primary place to shine. For most of you, the darkest place you know, spiritually, it's probably where you work or where you go to school. So let your light shine there in the dark. Because, Jesus said it, you are the light of the world. Now, you might push back on that and say, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not at my job to evangelize. That's not what they hired me to do. Uh, it gets in the way. Uh, I'm, I'm, there to, I'm there to work. And, and you know what? That's true. I, I've already said uh, in, in weeks gone by and even this morning that, that, uh, the, the, that when we do our job well, we are, we are, uh, we are representing God. Work is worship. And, and so, so you are there to do that work. But if you are the light of the world, everywhere you go, you're going to be shining. <laughs> Again, if it's a, a close relationship with Jesus, it's going to come up wherever you are. So how do we shine the light? How do we share the gospel? How do we provide the good news of the gospel to the people that are around us, but not in a pushy, obnoxious way, not in a way that gets in the way of, 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 our, of our work, uh, but in a way that shines the light to people that need to hear it. Just a, just a few suggestions this morning. Hopefully, uh, maybe uh, one or more of these will spark something in you that that practically you can take into uh, into your work week uh, this week. The first thing, as I've already mentioned, do good work. I, I'm not going to belabor the point. We've talked about it a lot. But if you're lazy and you cut corners and you talk bad about the boss and your coworkers, you won't have much credibility if the conversation turns towards your faith. But if you do good work, if you work with excellence, if you put your whole heart into it, you will be, as we said last week, building a platform for the gospel. People will be more likely to listen to you if they already respect you and they already respect your work ethic. So part of shining your light is doing great work. Another thing is don't censor your faith. Do good work, don't censor yourself. Don't censor your faith. Your relationship with God, as I've said, is a part of who you are. So don't go out of your way to hide it. If someone asks you what you did over the weekend, don't be vague. Well, you know, a bunch of stuff. Hung out with family, I mean, as you're telling your activities and what you did, it's okay. You can say, oh, well, I went to church on Sunday and da-da-da-da-da. you are just letting it out. There. It's just part of who you are. It's you, You're letting it slip, so to speak, in conversation. Maybe that, that you were at church or you went to a Bible study group or, or, uh, or, or maybe mentioned some fun activity that the church did or that your kids did with the church youth group or, or, or whatever. It might come up that you were praying about, well, I was just praying about da-da-da-da-da, and it's just part of who you are and it's part of your conversation. Don't censor that out. In other words, uh, identify yourself publicly as Christian. It's not obnoxious. It's not over the top. It's simply letting people know over time as that relationship develops uh, who you are. You're not forcing a Bible study on them in the break room over lunch. (laughs) It's it's, uh, simply letting them know, Uh, simply letting a little light out. People are more interested in spiritual things than, than, than you might think. Uh, some people may just need a little permission to feel free to bring up spiritual things. And if you haven't kept your relationship with God under a bowl, as our scripture said, but you've let it shine, then it could lead to faith conversations. Now you, you might push back on that a little bit. You might, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I, I I'm just going to keep quiet. Uh, I, I like the, uh, the, the, Uh, What businessman Sebastian Trager says, uh, he says that we need to be, quote, wise and winsome without being worried and wimpy. Usually we end up equating wise with quiet. Well, I wanted to be wise and so I didn't speak up. I was quiet. Usually it's because we got nervous and we didn't know how to be respond, uh, responded to. So, of course, you shouldn't be cheesy about it or force the issue or get in people's faces, but be wise and winsome as we share our faith. In other words, don't hide the light. A quote from uh, Mr. Traeger's book says, if your definition of wise and winsome is uh, only speaks about Jesus when there's no chance of offending anyone, <laughs> then you may as well hang it up, he says. Don't censor your faith. Put it out. So do good work. Don't censor your faith. Another thing that, that perhaps we miss, and that is pray. Um it, do you pray about opportunities to shine your light? Every one of us has chances. I'm convinced of it. Uh, there are open doors. There are opportunities every single day for us to shine our light into uh, the, the people's lives. And I think we miss most of them because we're not praying about it, because we're not actively seeking it out. So pray for your coworkers, pray for their salvation, pray for chances to speak truth to them. Pray for openness and for interest in the things of God. Pray for the, the problems that they might bring to you. They, they might say, oh, I'm going through, hey, I'm going to be praying for you about that. Most people, even if they're, they don't believe, uh, aren't going to turn down a prayer. Tell them that you're going to pray for them. And as you pray, I, I think we need to also expect, look for results. Look for those open doors. Look for answered prayers and point to to, to God when something great happens in someone's life. Uh, Prayer is a fundamental part of discerning where God is working. And so if we're not spending time with God, we won't be able to join him where he's moving and working. Follow his lead and and you'll, you'll only know his lead if you're seeking him in prayer. So do good work. Don't censor yourself, but just let it naturally flow uh, who you are and, and and your relationship with God. Pray. Of course, cultivate relationships. Um, much of a farmer's time, I hear, as a city boy, I'm not much of a farmer, but much of a farmer's time is spent in cultivation many hours go, uh, of work go into cultivating preparing the ground before there is ever a seed that is sown or or watered or uh, or or fertilized certainly a huge long process before there's any harvest and many times we see evangelism as the harvest that 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 time when someone actually takes the step from unbelief to belief. And we say, well, that's evangelism. I got them to, to do that. Well, evangelism is also this whole process that started with you developing a relationship with someone and cultivating that relationship and finding out about them and, and, and getting, getting to know them. And, and, and uh, those relationships happen and we follow the Holy Spirit's lead on, and it could take uh, days or months or even years. I certainly don't want you to hear today that I'm saying treat somebody as a project. Oh, I'm going to build this relationship so that I can get them to pray a magic prayer and I can feel good about myself that I evangelized. That's not what this is about. It's about naturally living out day in and day out who you are as a child of the king. Uh, he is your good, good father and you are his child, uh, loved by God. And so that lives out every moment of every day, whether you're at home or at work or at the store or anywhere else, and it's naturally gonna flow out and it's gonna come out in the relationships that you have. And so you're building relationships with people, not just to share with them. You, you're enjoying that relationship, but in the process, it's gonna come out who you are and, and who your God is is and how that's make it, made a difference in your life it'll click with some people it probably won't click with everyone but but follow the holy spirit's leading I, i'm not saying build friendships so you're targeting people for uh, for for evangelism but statistics show overwhelmingly that people come to faith through relationships more than any other means they They need to see and hear the gospel uh, that is 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 relevant to their lives, and they see that through a relationship with a real person where the Gospel has been relevant in your life uh, that It comes up naturally in conversation it, it it happens naturally. Cultivate relationships, and also use your church. That's the uh, the next thing. Build relationships, but then you can use the ministries of the church to uh, as opportunities to maybe take things in another step, or or maybe it's easier to uh, as a conversation. Well, you should come with me sometime. Maybe invite them to to a, to a service or a group or a uh, an activity of some type. You are the point person that God might use to bring light into that person's life. The church is here not only to continue to fill you with God's light, but also to support, encourage, and pray uh, for you in, uh, in the process to uh, to help others find what God has for them as well. Of course you could invite your friends not only to come to a church event but maybe you're just going out to have a great time with some of your friends from church and maybe you invite a couple other people from work and and it's just it's not this big agenda of uh we're going to go have fun and then we're going to uh turn it toward uh uh you know an interve- spiritual intervention or anything like that uh it's it's simply we're going to enjoy each other and through that process you're introducing uh people to uh, other believers and and get to know and through that God's light shine. So, or one, one great thing, uh, could be to invite someone to serve with you. Uh, many people who are not believers still believe, uh, in helping others. And so there are many ways in our church and in our community where we can, we can uh, live out our faith as we serve. Invite someone to uh, to go with you to to Cleveland Victory in a couple of weeks, or or uh, uh, as, as as we go along with that, maybe they could make it make be a part of that. Or or uh, just yesterday, I went up to, uh, to the Medina Personal Care Pantry and and spent a little time up there, and and they're always looking for volunteers the first Saturday of the month where they they hand out uh, products to folks that that uh, that they can't get through with their. Um, with their food stamps. And so we've collected things for them before, but, but I hadn't ever been on site. And, and that would be a great, things like that. Love Inc. We we're just at the Love Inc. Bank a couple of weeks ago. We we're just at the Oasis of Hope Bank. I'm spewing out all this stuff, but there are many, 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 many opportunities for us to serve other people. And people don't, you don't have to know Jesus to help someone else. But through the process of serving alongside each other, people can find what it means to have a relationship with God. They can see that it's real, that it's that it's living and moving and active. There are tons of ways that you can use the witness of your church to reach people that you work with. So, all of, all of these things are important. Of course, of course at some point uh in this relationship with God, you you've got to share something. It's not just, I'm going to uh, do my job and hope someone knocks on my door and says, how can I be saved? Probably isn't going to happen that way. But over time, as we build those relationships, at some point, the conversation might turn. One thing that, 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 that many people get challenged with is, well, I won't know what to say. Well, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll say, I'm going to go find out and I'll let you know. The best way the best way, as people uh, come to faith and you follow the Holy Spirit's lead in their lives, the best way to share with them is to simply say, "This is what happened to me. This is what happened in my life." Uh, kind of like the, uh, the, the 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 guy in in uh, in Scripture. Uh, Jesus healed him. Um, he was blind. The, the church leaders were giving him a big uh, problem about it and said, hey, tell us all about this. And finally, the guy said, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know all the theology of it all. I, I haven't studied at the seminary. I don't know all of the stuff. I haven't even been to Sunday school. I, but here's what I do know, he said. I was blind. Now I can see. And Jesus made the difference. It all turned on him. I was blind, now I can see, and it's all because of Jesus. It's as simple as that, it's as complicated as that, it's as joyous as that, but you are called to be the light wherever you are, even at work. The primary reason that you're at your job is to work hard and to do your best and, and to, to, to uh, fulfill what, uh, what your employer uh, hired you to do, right? working hard is working for the lord it's the lord christ you're serving i'm serving god but i'm serving that through my employer doing all that but another thing that's going to happen (laughs) another reason that you're there is to shine your light because you are the light of the world